Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. You see, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take time to take your live comments and questions. However, we often don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But if you sent in one of those questions and you supported this channel, I want to make sure you don't wait too awful long to get those questions answered. So we gather up the unused questions and we address them here on companion videos. Now, I've been having the wonderful uh, Kimberly joining me the last number of companion videos. She's booked today. She's got some stuff that she's off doing today. Don't worry, she'll be back. So so it's just me flying solo today. So let's get to your questions right now. We're going to start things off here, getting caught up with Chloe Fanning, who writes, thinking on vision on WandaVision, giving it some insight, delving into the show's core basis on how it is going to end. But my question is, how many licks would it take for Elizabeth Olsen to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? The world may never know. You know what the funny thing is, Chloe? There's probably half the audience watching this has no idea what that reference is. I remember that commercial when we were kids. I remember that one, the owl with the uh, with the uh, with the Tootsie Roll. Oh, absolutely, I remember that one. All right. Next up, we've got Hank Dunn who writes. I really hope Krasinski isn't Reed Richards. I don't think he'd fit the character or the universe. Someone like Glenn uh, Howerton or Bill Hader would be much better. Again, Hank, it comes down to the whole thing. How you can't possibly know. We can't possibly know who would be better in that role because we don't know how the character is going to be written. Like for all you know, or I know the way they're writing this character and the way they want this character to be, John Krasinski is the ultimate perfect guy, but we simply don't know. And for all, you know, like Bill Hader, who's great. I love Bill Hader. I don't see him as Mr. Fantastic, but whatever. But for all we know, the way it's written, Bill Hader would be completely wrong for this, right? That's why whenever somebody asks me, who do I want to, who do I want to see play a certain role? I always say, I don't care. Just as long as I know they're talented, then I'll leave it up to the director and the writer and the casting people who know how the character is written to decide if certain actors are the right fit. So all I really care about is, okay, are they talented? If they're talented performers, then I'll trust you to make sure they're the right fit because I can't possibly know because I don't know how you're writing. Again, we talk about the four jokers, right? Jack, Heath, Joaquin, Jared, right? Four jokers, but all four of those jokers are written completely differently. And just because Heath was right for the one joker doesn't mean he would have been like, say, right for Jared Leto's joker. Doesn't mean Heath would have been the right casting for Jack's joker. That's why this whole thing about it's kind of folly to try to say this guy would be right for that character when we have no idea how they would write that character for the show yet. So 
Anyway, there's that. Then you may rightfully say, well, then John, why is everybody freaking out over John Krasinski? Oh, no, it's true. It's true. And I'm still like, hey, maybe it's John Krasinski. Maybe it's not. I mean, as long as somebody's talented, I'm just kind of caught up in the enthusiasm with everybody else who wants to see it to be John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And if it's John Krasinski, great. He's super talented. And if it's not, then I'll just trust that they went with somebody who was the right fit for the character the way they wrote it. But anyway, that's just me. But the world would shake. The world would shake. If we get to WandaVision Episode 7 and John Krasinski pops up as Reed Richards, the world is going to shake. You you just watch. Anyway, uh, next up, we got Preston the Kryptonian writes, John, one of two. I got to give you props for all you have done lately. You have been doing WandaVision spoiler discussion videos, companion videos almost every day, and still doing the John Campus show every weekday. All the while moving into your new place. Mad props to you, sir. Mad props. And kudos to Kimberly for hopping on and helping you answer questions. She is a doll. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, keep up the great work that you do. It's nothing to sneeze at. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Preston. And yeah, things have been busy around here. Things have been very busy. Not a lot of sleep happening. Uh, we have been doing like companion videos almost every day. Uh, obviously, the WandaVision videos and, of course, the Daily John Campus Show on top of everything else. Uh, all while trying to get settled into the new house. Although we are pretty much there. We're pretty much there. The only thing Anne and I now have left to do, uh, I just did, I got all handy. I'm not a very domestic person, but I got all handy. I was very proud of myself this week. I got around and I hung the new security motion lights around the house and I hung up the new security cameras around the house. I was very handy. I, by the way, I'm terrible. I have a hard time changing the tire on a car. All right. I can debug your program, your, your computer for you. I can, I can fix almost anything. like, but man, when it comes to the traditional, like handyman stuff, I'm terrible. I'm absolutely terrible. I'm the complete opposite of my dad and my brother and stuff like that. It's just very weird, but I was very proud of myself. I got those lights hung, got the cameras installed. Very proud of myself. Anyway, thank you for that press. And I really appreciate that, man. All right. Next up, uh, dark Knight rises rights. Hey, John, I'm trying to find out if, if slash where Daniel Day Lewis working as a shoe cobbler uh, was thinking about trying to see if I could get you a pair. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. It was, it, and remember this was years ago, Daniel Day Lewis. Let me just bring this up. Daniel Day Lewis, uh, shoe, uh, shoemaker. Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis shoemaker. Um, let's see. There's, you can look this up online. I don't know if he still does it or not, but yeah, Daniel Day Lewis was into being a shoe cobbler. He was a shoemaker. It's the weirdest thing when you think about that. But I guess every actor or actress has their own thing on the side. I don't know that he has his own brand or anything. I certainly would have bought a pair by now. I'm not even sure if it's something that he still does. But now that he's retired, maybe he can get back to the fine art of shoe cobbling. We'll find out. I do hope. Listen, I'm not trying to take away from his well-deserved retirement. I'm not trying to take away from... The fact that he's earned it. He's the greatest actor of all time. He is the GOAT. Bester is, Bester was, Bester ever will be. But as a very selfish movie fan, damn, I would love it if he would come back and do one or two more. Mm, I would love it if he would do one or two more. All right, anyway, next up. Uh, Josh Bing writes, Just an idea, John. But why not hold a contest or invite a Patreon supporter to hop on Skype or Zoom sometimes and get the chance to be on a companion video and help out? It'd be fun way for them to get involved with the show and show support as well. Okay, so here's let's I'm just going to give you behind the curtain stuff. Look at this. This is the reality of it. Okay, this has come up in the AMC days. It came up in the Collider days. But the reality is this. Uh, There was a particular sports show and I've told this story before. There was a particular sports show 
uh, and I won't call it which one, but their producer thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to, for, you know, one segment a week, bring on a fan? Like, instead of bringing in an NFL coach or bringing in a former player or whatever to give their perspective, maybe for one segment every week, bring in a fan to give their perspective on it, right? Super cool, cool and fun for the fan. The problem was they canceled it after only three or four tries because while it was fun for the individual fan that got to go and be on it, the people watching the show were not watching the show to see an average fan on talking. They watched the show to see their favorite commentator and analysts and maybe maybe an NFL coach here or there. In other words, yeah, it was great for the fan that got to come on the show, but it's not what the audience was interested in watching, right? It wasn't what the audience was interested in watching. And so I remember it was still AMC, I believe. It may have become Collider already, but I think we were still at AMC. And I remember we kind of, somebody floated that idea. What if, you know, once a week we bring on a, a fan to be on it? Wouldn't that be cool? And then we literally, we, we asked during one of the shows, we said, is this something you guys would like to see? And I said, not as, not as somebody would you like to be on, because obviously everybody would like to be on, but is this, if you were just a viewer, is this something you'd like to see? And overwhelmingly, it was negative. Like, no, we don't watch AMC Movie Talk to see some guy named Doug we've never heard of before or, or never talked or isn't a part of the, that's not why we watch. And so uh, while it would be awesome for the individual coming on, that's cool. The reality is the audience isn't interested in watching that. And, and so we floated that once or twice back in the day and it was always met with a lot of negative feedback and, and I get it. And again, same thing happened to sports shows that, that's why people tune in. That's why they don't. So that's probably why I won't do that. I mean, that, that's why I really like, I like audience interaction, which is why I like basing even our main topics on the emails that come in from our audience. But I don't think our audience wants to see other audience members doing the commentary. Um, and again, like I said, we floated it back in the day and it, it was just not received well. So that's probably not something I'm going to do. Plus it'd become impossible for me to vet those people and all that kind of stuff. So, so probably won't be doing that. I love the fact that you're thinking about it in those ways, but that's probably not something we'll be doing around here. All right. Next up, uh, Josh Bing also writes also, uh, just always like to write in to support and say how much I love watching the show. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, it's in my daily schedule while I'm in Florida pursuing my film master's degree this year. Uh, I've even referenced it a few t- in a few assignments. Still got to order my John Campia show mug, which you can find right uh, here on the YouTube channel. You can find the merchandising link, of course. Uh, thank you for that. And listen, that is awesome that you're pursuing your dreams and goals, going to film school. That is great. I hope you're taking care of yourself down there and I hope your school year goes really well, Josh. Thanks for writing that in, man. All right. Next up, uh, Miguel Zayan writes, Hey, John, I've never really sat down focused and watched 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, I had a little bit of a pause there. Give me a little bit of a skip there. Give me some. Okay, let's try this again. Hey, John, I've never really sat down focused and watched 2001 A Space Odyssey until yesterday. Finally saw it is uh, finally saw it as a whole. I feel like this is a film, not a movie. I see what you mean by that. Uh, that makes anyone's opinion on in real Jose. That makes anyone's opinion on in really valid. Uh, I know every movie is like that. One of two, uh, two of two. But due to its to its ambiguity, uh, it lets audiences have their own interpretations on it without really confirming it. Uh, what are some of your interpretations of it? I know it's 
it's a lot, LOL. But for me, one of it is whew, one of it one of it is the idea that there is always a bigger entity at play. Well, I mean, that's never been mine. Like, honestly, every time I've sat down and watched 2001 A Space Odyssey, and it's been, at, wow, probably at least 10 years since I've watched it. It's probably been at least 10 years since I've watched it. But everything like from, you know, is it a, is a socio-commentary on, even at the time when it was made, of our over, ever-growing and over-reliance on technology, you know, when you look at the beginning of the movie, like with the monolith and all that kind of stuff and how it starts, is that really then just the whole thing? One of my favorite commentaries on it was that when you look at it from the beginning, you know, with the apes and the monolith and you followed all the way through and everything to how, like the whole idea is it is this one big uh, analogy of the human reliance on technology and as we've moved away from ourselves, then there's, you know, greater um, philosophical questions about even the very nature of our being in the universe and all that kind of stuff. And what else is there? And uh, is the, the concerns, one person I remember saying, it kind of frames that, that our concerns of the moment are insignificant to the, to the vastness of what's really going on, on an intergalactic level and on an eternity level. I mean, I've heard so many things all the way down to folks overthinking it story about a spaceship with a, a where AI is kind of a horror movie in that way. And it's, we're overthinking it. So I don't know, man, there's a lot of different theories, but I know it's been at least 10 years since I've sat down and watched it and I'm going to have to do it again. I'm going to have to do it again in one sitting. And I'm glad you got caught up on it, Miguel. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes thoughts on the last three WandaVision episodes being one hour each. Uh, that by the way, has never been confirmed as far as I can tell. Uh, they're also saying that the big character reveal wasn't Evan Peters Quicksilver. It has to be Dr. Strange, right? Well, again, uh, we, we talked about this in the show earlier today. I have not seen anybody actually say the final three episodes are an hour long. What I've seen is a bunch of people extrapolating and interpreting past comments to meaning now the new episodes are going to be about an hour long. I don't think they are going to be an hour long. I hope they are. That would be great. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see them to be an hour long. I do. I, I am guessing they're going to be longer than they have been. I think they're all going to be over 40 minutes and maybe one or two might even get close to an hour. But at any rate, um, getting back to the Evan Peters thing. No, I never thought Evan Peters was the big reveal because... The reality is a lot of people watching the show had no idea Evan Peters played Quicksilver in some X-Men films. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, I also don't think the big reveal is Doctor Strange because why is that a big deal? Doctor Strange is a current, ongoing um, uh, MCU character in the MCU right now today. How is him popping up in the MCU that big of a deal? That's that's why I also said that about like Spider-Man. What would be the big deal of Spider-Man showing up? I mean, it would be cool, but Spider-Man is a current, ongoing character in the MCU right now. So him just popping up in the MCU isn't that big of a deal. I mean, it would be cool, but it's not that big of a deal. To me, what would really constitute the big reveal is somebody that is not currently in the MCU. Somebody that we haven't seen before. Something that is new and would shake the world. That's why, even though I don't think X-Men are being brought into it, that's why I still think it's a possibility that it could be a Magneto or a Charles Xavier or a, a, a Hank McCoy or, or even though we haven't had any Fantastic Four yet, maybe it's Reed Richards or something like that. So 
I think, and again, I don't know this. This is just me as a fan speculating like anybody else. I think it's going to be somebody who is not a current ongoing member of the MCU already. Because to me, what's the big deal about that? It can be cool, but what's the big deal? So I'm not, I'm not thinking it's Dr. Strange. It could be, I'm not discounting it, but I don't think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be something brand new that everyone will recognize and understand what it is, but hasn't been in the MCU yet. And which one of those things it is, I don't know. We're a little over a day away from finding out. All right, next up. Uh, Jar Jar of Snokes writes, Turns out there will be a WandaVision episode 10. Kind of. Marvel Studios assembled. Making of WandaVision will premiere March 12th. Yeah, and listen, I really enjoyed... Uh, the Mandalorian making of series, at least the first season one that they did. The second one was, I don't know, it, it had lost a little bit of its novelty for me, the second season of it, but whatever. The first one was really great. And I like this idea of having one of these series and then when it's done, follow up with kind of a behind the scenes making of uh, looking back on the creation of that series. I personally think that's a great idea. I love it. So, I'm all for it, and I'm looking forward to it. It's not really WandaVision episode 10, but I think it will be fun to watch. All right, uh, next up, we've got Preston the Kryptonian who writes, John, another nitpick about the Infinity War saga. In the end of Infinity War, Thor throws the Stormbreaker into Thanos' chest, which theoretically should have killed him since it was probably deep enough to slice his heart. You went for the heart, he would say. Well, I mean, here's the problem. Thanos isn't human. He's an alien being from a world called Titan. We don't know their biology. For all we know, Thanos has five hearts. For all we know, Thanos Thanos maybe has uh, one heart, but maybe it's in his left calf. For all we know, Thanos' heart is in his hip, or he's got four hearts, and all he needs is one of them pumping for him to stay alive. I mean, that's that's the thing. We got to remember not to try to apply the logic of human biology when his biology is obviously completely different than ours. So I get it. And if Thanos was a human character, that would be a big plot hole. But since he's not human, we have no idea where his heart is, if he only has one heart, if he has any hearts at all. So that's something that we also have to keep in mind. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Preston. Next up, episode 789 writes, uh, one of two. Agnes is the villain. She is Agatha and not Nightmare. She helped slash made slash convinced Wanda to create the hex. Agnes, Agatha, could be working for, alongside, or being manipulated by Nightmare. Probable appearance of him. Mephisto won't appear. Uh, Pietro is actually the one from Fox, and it will be well explained in the show. Uh, This is logical start of the multiverse saga, as Feige said. More will appear here, Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange 2. Uh, In the end of Doctor Strange 2, most will go back to the universe or even all of them. Well, listen, the one thing you're saying there, uh, episodes, that I do agree with is I've said for a while that my guess, but my guess could change every week. My guess, though, is that Doctor Strange will be about Doctor Strange closing the multiverse, like ending it. So, because multiverse, if you look back on the history of the comics, multiverse stuff can get very out of hand and it can ruin a lot of stuff. And so every once in a while, again, go back into the history of it and you'll see they they come up with these big story events to kind of shut things down. I wouldn't be surprised if we get multiverse stuff going a little bit crazy. And in Doctor Strange 2, it's all about Doctor Strange shutting it down. 
and maybe Wanda being the primary antagonist that he needs to stop. Or alongside of other, like Nightmare may be in Doctor Strange too, but maybe it's Nightmare and her and all that kind of stuff. As far as everything else, I still don't buy the Agnes is the villain because Agnes looks is, there's been too many times in the show where Agnes has clearly been shown to be terrified of Wanda. She's clearly scared and frightened of Wanda. And I'm not even talking about her conversation with Vision in the car. I'm not even talking about that one. There's like the conversation with Herb when Herb was about to spill something and Uh, Agnes looks at Herb like terrified, like Herb, we're dead. If you say something like, you know what I mean? So I, I'm still not on the, plus there's too many obvious hints. The witch costume, for example, like that, that makes it a little bit too obvious. I don't know. Again, I don't think it's crazy to think she's Agatha Harkness because there are pieces of evidence there. So it, it might, it might, I'm just saying I'm not on that train yet. I'm not on that train yet. However, the closing the loop in Doctor Strange 2, that I could totally see. But we'll find out. We'll find out a lot more in episode 7. We've only got three episodes left. All right. Uh, uh, Elena writes, Ms. Marvel gets her powers as an inhuman uh, from a strange fog covering uh, New Jersey. I wonder if it has anything to do with Wanda in the MCU version. I don't... Okay, look. I don't know, but... I don't believe they're ever, I don't think Kevin Feige is ever going to bring in humans into it again. I mean, he very well could. I don't know that he's not. That could very well be the plan, all that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying as a casual fan, I'm like, man, he did not want the Inhumans to go the way they went. And I still think he's massively upset. Because remember, Inhumans was supposed to be a movie they were going to do. At the time, Feige was still working for Ike Perlmutter. Ike Perlmutter was his boss in the hierarchy. And Perlmutter wanted to do a show. And look how that show turned out. And I, I don't know that Kevin Feige wants to touch in humans with a thousand foot pole at this point. I don't think he wants anything to do with it. He didn't want to have anything to do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He didn't want to have anything to do with that Inhumans show. I don't think he wants to touch in humans with a thousand foot pole. That doesn't mean over the last couple of years he couldn't have gotten over it and might decide to do it. But regardless of what the origins are like in the comic books, the MCU has proved over and over again they're not the comic books. They're thematically based on the comic books, but they take their own very big liberties with the stories and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if we're going to get the, what's it called again, the the Terrigen gas. I don't think the Terrigen gas is going to sweep over and trigger in the inhuman part of her. I think it's going to be something different, but you never know. We will, we will find out. Maybe Feige's gotten over it and he will use inhumans. We'll see. All right. Elena also writes, Miss Marvel gets her gets her inhuman powers from uh, Strange Fog. Isn't that what we just did? New Jersey. Anyway, uh, already answered that question, but thank you for sending it in twice. All right, Jonathan writes, do you think revealing Quicksilver to be an antagonist and not from the multiverse will be too similar to what happens in Far From Home? Uh, is that not exactly what happened with, with Mysterio? How many multiverse fakeouts will we have in a row? They, but the thing is, they're two very different situations, right? Like Beck in Far From Home is a dude from their world who is just himself putting on uh, this basically kind of a masquerade to say he's from somewhere else. I want you to notice something else that's very, very different here, Jonathan. In Far From Home, Mysterio, Quentin Beck, claims to be from the multiverse, right? In the movie, the movie claims to the audience, I am from the multiverse. I have traveled from an alternate timeline, alternate reality into your world 
and I'm here to help and to stop uh, all this nastiness going on, right? That hasn't happened in WandaVision. Nobody in the, in the show has claimed even once that this is Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe. This is the same Quicksilver who participated in the events of X-Men Days of Future Past that helped break Magneto out of his plastic prison. Nobody in the show, nothing in the show has ever claimed that. Unlike Far From Home, that is a major, major, major distinction between Far From Home and here. Yeah, here we have everybody theorizing he might be from the Fox universe in a multiverse kind of scenario. We've all theorized that, but the show's not doing it. Not once has the show ever suggested that's the case. Whereas with Quentin Beck, the character directly came out and said that and whatever. So I personally, Jonathan, see them as two very different circumstances. I think these are two very different situations and scenarios. But, um, and listen, I don't think, I said this before, nobody believed me. After episode six, they did believe me. uh, That I have not thought for a second that this is actually the Quicksilver from the Fox universe. And I think episode six establishes that. But it's still possible. It's still possible. In episode seven, we very well could find out this is indeed the exact Pietro who participated in the events of X-Men Days of Future Past, who is the one who, you know, in that gunfight went into hyperspeed mode and ran around with the music playing, pulling bullets out of the air. Maybe they may say it is that guy for right now. I still don't think it is. And if it turns out that he's not, I don't think it's the same situation as it was with Far From Home because he never claimed to be from the multiverse. So I believe that's a major distinction. But we'll find out in episode seven, Jonathan. All right, next up. Now, speaking of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. writes, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the most consistently well-written show Marvel ever put out in the 2010s with brilliant characters, story arcs, and action. So much fun. How uh, are you to call, how dare you, I should say, how dare you call it a terrible show, John? For shame, for shame. Hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. forever. Well, I mean, to be fair. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a complete bag of shit. That show is awful uh, with some redeemable moments. There were there were some redeemable episodes that I, I, I think, what was it, the 100th episode? I think it was the 100th episode that I remember I, I watched and went, you know, that, you know, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. They had his moments, and I love Clark Gregg. So I, even though I vowed to myself many times I'm going to stop watching that show, I kept watching it because of Clark Gregg because he's so great. And I like the Agent Coulson character, and, and Ming-Na Wen is fabulous. I love her too. But I thought overall it was a complete waste of the incredible talents of Clark Gregg and Ming-Na Wen, and I thought the, I thought the show was absolute shite. Terrible characters, other than, you know, Colson and everything. Terrible characters, stupid stories, just nonsensical ridiculousness. It just, uh, oh, it was an awful show. But it's all subjective. That's my take on it. That was my experience. And I, I wanted to love it. I wanted to love the show. But I just thought it was awful. But there are people like you and others who really did like that show. And I celebrate that. I'm not here to yuck on your yum. If you like that show, that is great. Uh, if it ever comes up and my opinion is called for, I'll give you my opinion. I thought it sucked. I, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it smelt of uh, old baby diapers and urine. But that's just my take on it. Doesn't Just because I didn't like it, that doesn't devalue the fact that you did. So you like that show and you celebrate that you like that show. I wish, I wish, I'm envious because I wish I liked it the way you did. I wish I did. All right, next up. Uh, Inventory writes, 
Hey, John, do you think Disney is bold enough to add political elements to Falcon and Winter Soldier from the comics, such as testing on black soldiers and the government not uh, wanting Sam to have the shield for his background and skin tone? I don't think I don't know if the word would be bold. I don't know that it would be bold to do that. I think it'd probably be pretty dumb for them to do that. Um, why? I, I don't. And that, by the way, that's not me saying that they will. But I think if they choose not to do that, it's not them not being willing to be bold. It's about them not wanting to distract from the show itself. Reality is we live in an environment right now where very small things can distract from a show. And you can get people talking about it for all the wrong reasons. And I I just don't see the need to make those elements part of it. Look, every single thing we get in the MCU is different from their comic book variations. Everything is. Civil War is completely different than the Civil War we had in the comics. Some thematic similarities, yes, but overall it's completely different. And so on and so forth. So I don't think it's a matter of boldness. I I think it would be unwise. Uh, I just think it would be the wrong direction to go. Now, then again, if anybody's going to tackle those issues and do them in a way that is still really conducive to the show itself, it's Kevin Feige. He'd figure out a way. But I, I I think it would be an unwise move for them to do right now, honestly. I think it would distract and take away from the show. I think it would get people talking about it for all the wrong reasons. And I just don't think that's where their head's at right now. So I don't personally, I don't think it's an issue of boldness. Like again, if anybody can do it, it'll be Kevin Feige, but I personally don't take it as an issue of boldness. All right, next up, uh, Pietro versus Peter writes, people, can we please stop calling Fox's Quicksilver Pietro? It's Peter in that universe. I mean, that's true. Yes, that's true. Although I believe, I mean, she does call this guy. Remember, remember to me, this is not the Peter from the X, uh, from the X-Men universe. It's not. And Wanda called him Pietro. So this is Pietro, a version of Pietro, but I still believe, as I did from day one, this guy's an imposter. Hey, Wanda, you don't think what I'm doing is wrong? Oh, heavens no, Wanda. What you're doing is great. I'm impressed, Wanda. Hey, what, what did you do with all the kids? Come on. What did, you, did you just keep them in bed? I mean, why bring them in if you don't need to? I get it. And by the way, Wanda, you know, uh, how are you doing all this? How are you doing all this, Wanda? Sketchy. This is an imposter. This isn't either Peter from the Fox X-Men universe, and it's not Pietro, her brother, either. This is an imposter, and it's a huge misdirect. Or it's not. I don't know. We'll find out soon. All right, next up. Hot Rod Todd writes, Hey, John. With all the speculation about Spider-Man 3 and its title, what if its true name is actually Spider-Man 3, as in Warriors 3, uh, Fiddlers 3, etc., and is actually alluding to the three Spider-Men and not a numerical installment? I, I See, I don't believe that at all, and there's a couple of reasons. One is that um, there's more and more things coming out to suggest that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are not in this film. Now, I still believe they will be. I mean, there was a time I didn't, but, you know, the last couple of months, I kind of came around to saying, you know what, there's enough anecdotal there stuff stuff there that it's clearly not sure that they're in it, but I believe they will be. For now, until new information comes to light, for now, I believe they will be. But even if they are in it, and that's never been confirmed, but even if they are in it, everything I've heard, even from the sources saying that they're definitely in it, 
everything I've heard from all of them is that their roles are going to be relatively small to extremely small. Whether that just means one scene or a couple of scenes, whatever. And so even if they're in it, and we're not even sure they are, but even if they're in it, if they do have small roles, which is what everybody is saying, then do you really title the film Spider-Man The Three? If they're just barely in it, it it seems to not make any sense. So I don't think, I think home will be in, I think the word home will be in it. They're going to carry on with that thing, but no, uh, I don't think they're going to call it Spider-Man three T H R E E. Although, although that would be clever, but just because I don't think they're going to be in it much, even if they are in it, would you justify naming the movie that probably not a big enough presence to do that. So that's my thought hot rod, but it is, it is clever. All right. Teddy Wren writes, I always wondered if uh, Kevin Feige casted Alf, uh, uh, Alfrey Woodward in that small role in Civil War just to make sure the Netflix universe couldn't connect since she played uh, Mariah in Luke Cage. She's way too caliber of an actor for that small of an elevator scene. Um, no, no, no. Listen, you can bring in anybody for anything. We have often seen a lot of actors. I mean, let's just go back to the first Thor with Idris Elba. Right. You know, as Heimdall, I mean, there was a re- he's he's a world class actor and is relatively now they upped his game a little bit in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. But I mean, it's hey, we got a role. Maybe she just really wanted to be in it. Maybe she just thought it'd be really fun and really cool to be in it for all we know. But no, there was no like, oh, I'm going to put her in it. So we cancel out this. And dude, I, I don't think any of that was a part of it, to be honest with you. I, I think it's just, hey, we got this role. She thought it'd be really cool, fun to be in it. Maybe she thought her kids or her nieces or nephews or whatever would love it if they saw her in an MC film. I mean, that's why Anthony Hopkins said he did. Odin said his grandkids wanted to see him in it. Yeah, I remember I was there. I was there and and with Anthony Hopkins and he was specifically asked, you know, what made you want to do like a comic book movie? And he said, he said his grandchildren, my grand, you know, the kids, the grandkids, they just, they thought it'd be the most incredible thing ever to see, you know, grandpa in, in this thing. So, I mean, maybe that could be it. You never know. Never know. All right. Next up, Jared Leto writes, as they say in acting, there is no small uh, what is it? There are no small parts, only small actors. You know, is, is that is that what I'm not an actor, but isn't that how it just go? There's no such thing as a small part. There's only small actors or I think that's what it says. Anyway, I might be wrong. All right. Jared Leto writes turning 10 this week. I am number four. Ooh, I remember that one. Uh, unknown and the Oscar award winning Big Mama's House three turning 20 Hannibal down to earth. Sweet November and saving Silverman saving Silverman's turning 20. Woo. By the way, did that guy ever do anything other? Like, it was starred the guy, I can't remember his name, but it starred the guy from American Pie. And I don't think I've seen him in anything else ever, but whatever. Uh, John and Co., what is your favorite uh, Neeson action movie? Oh, that's completely out of left field. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about it. I mean, Taken is great because not, like, if you're just asking me overall as a movie, his action movie, that's the best movie. It's hard to go against Taken. I mean, then it... It depends. Like, do we count Rob Roy as an action film? There's action in Rob Roy, but it's really more of an epic period piece. So I'm, I'm going to go taken on that. But man, I still remember I am number four. That was 10 years ago. Wow. I, and I was at the first screening ever of I am number four. They did it at the AMC Century City in Los Angeles. 
And then we had a bit of an after, it wasn't the premiere, it was just a special first screening and there was a bunch of people invited to it. And then we did like an after party thing. And of course it was starring the kid who went on to be in Magic Mike as well. Um, and I remember going to that thing and all that kind of stuff. And it was funny because at the after party, that's where, I mean, my Anne already loved me by this point, but this is the part where she like was mine forever. I think it was because, um, Zach Efron was at the post party. Zach Efron was at the, uh, the after party for the screening of I am number four. And I went up and just talked because I, I think he was either dating or just really good friends with the lead girl from I am number four. And I'm forgetting her name, the blonde girl, I'm forgetting her name, but he was like either dating her or they're just really good friends. So he was there at the after, after party. And so I was up and talking to Zach Efron cause I had met him before, um, when he was doing press for, uh, me and Orson Welles, by the way, he's terrific in that. If you've never seen me and Orson Welles, you should totally check that out. And anyway, so I went up to talk to him and then I said, oh, you know, my wife is a big fan. My wife's a big fan. Would you mind if I grab her and introduce? And he's like, no, no, no. And I was able to bring Ann over to meet Zac Efron. She loves Zac Efron. So it's like from that, I was, I was the shit in Ann's eyes, at least, at, you know, at least for a day. Uh, I was totally a hero in her book. So man, but that was 10 years ago. Holy crap. That was 10 years ago. Anyway, thanks for sharing that, man. All right. Toy Box Gaming writes. Hey, John, I know you love tech questions, so I'm curious. What capture card do you use to stream? Well, there are a couple that I use. Um, the one, the main ones I use, uh, or the main one, I should say, that I use for this camera and my second camera, whenever you see the side shot of me, that's this other camera. I don't have it turned on right now for this video. But they are both running into a PCI capture a card that I have in internally in the computer, uh, made by a company called Magewell, uh, Magewell, M A G E W E L L, uh, fabulous capture card. So you can get them in single double or quad. I have a double, so I'm able to plug two cameras into that. Um, the laptop that I have, uh, Rob Skype in on. So over here to my left is a laptop and that laptop. All I use this laptop for is to have Skype and this is the laptop Rob comes in on Skype. I take the HDMI out from the computer, from the laptop, and I plug it into another Magewell device, but this one is an external little box. So it's a Magewell capture box, a USB capture box. So you plug the HDMI into it, and then on the other end, there's a USB cable that plugs into your computer. So it sends the video signal from the HDMI into the box. The box then spits out a USB signal through a USB cable into your computer. So that's that. Then, uh, let me see if I can find, give me one second here. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, do I have it here? I thought I had it here. Yeah. Then the camera over there that I use to point at Kimberly, because over here is another desk and Kimberly sits at that desk. And so to capture her camera, I run the HDMI out from that camera. And then another device like that Magewell external box is, th these ones are very popular with streamers. This is called the Camlink. Uh, these are very popular with Twitch streamers when everything, again, you can see on the one end, uh, let's see if I can do this here. Over here, you plug in the HDMI into that. And then this end USB gets plugged into a USB on your computer. And that's what I use to capture that camera. So I actually have three different capture devices. My two cameras on me go into my internal Magewell capture card. Rob's Skype laptop 
goes in through a small Magewell external USB capture box. And then the camera I have on Kimberly and Anne when we do the um, uh, the uh, Mandalorian and WandaVision spoiler discussion videos, that camera gets run in through a cam link. So I have many different things that I use to get the job done. So uh, I highly recommend all three of those options. They're all great. The cam link, uh, again, is... This is the most affordable one because um, that Magewell card that I have is like 500 bucks. And then the Magewell external capture is about 300 bucks. But these cam links, um, I think you can get these for like 120 bucks and they work, they work very, very well. And uh, they have a couple of little limitations. I also, I don't use them anymore, but Black Magic, which is a, a popular brand with a lot of uh, production people, they also put out uh, these, I think they're called deck links cards. So I have one right here. Uh, so you just plug, you plug this into your, inside your computer into an open PCI, uh, PCI slot. And then you just plug in your, U, your HDMI or your SDI, whichever one you have. And that captured in computer. I don't actually use these anymore because I got the major. So I have a couple of these that I'm not using anymore. But they work, and they're great too. So you can find those on Amazon. Again, I believe they're called Decklink by Blackmagic. So hopefully, that gives you a starting point. Uh, I, I hope you found that useful. All right, next up. All Hail Dr. Doom writes, Hey, John. Agnes appears to be running scared since uh, Pietro's arrival. Probably mean Pietro's arrival. Fake Pietro. Uh, she has not been near Wanda or in scene with Pietro. Uh, oh, I get it. Fake Pietro. Fietro. I get where you're doing. I'm a little slow, but I eventually get there with Fietro. Wanda uh, in scene with Fietro, uh, intro credits aside, and was near Ellis at the end of Hex in episode six. Fear Fietro. You know, I haven't noticed that. I mean, but now that I think about it, you're not wrong. She hasn't been in a scene with the fake Pietro. Huh. I wonder if that means something. I mean, it may mean nothing at all, but I, I hadn't even thought about that, all hail Dr. Doom. I hadn't even considered that. Maybe that means something. I don't know that it does, but maybe, you know what? When I go into episode seven, I'm definitely going to keep my eye open for that. I'm going to be paying close attention. Do we ever see Agnes and Fietro, as you call them, in the same scene? And if we don't, I don't know. Then again, I think we're going to get some good answers in episode seven as well. So we'll see. Interesting. Thank you for bringing that up, man. I haven't even thought about that. All right. Cam Smith writes, uh, hey, John, big fan. Thank you so much, Cam. Do you think episode seven will go into the 2010s modern family sitcom era or will they give us a whole episode of Wanda after Endgame and how she created the hex? All right. I think the answer to that question is both. Yes, except in a different order. I do think episode seven is going to, I don't know this, but I think episode seven will be the 2010s. We're going to get that modern family um, uh, spoof that we've been seeing in the trailers, right? Case of the Mondays, am I right? Like we're going to get that. So I believe that's going to be episode seven. I believe based on nothing, based on absolutely nothing, I believe right now that episode eight is probably going to be a big, an entire flashback episode that will fill in a lot of the gaps and answer a lot of questions. And I believe that episode will pick up right from the end of Endgame and take us up to the beginning of the events of WandaVision. And we're going to see things and learn things in that episode, that flashback episode, that will make a lot 
of stuff in WandaVision crystal clear. And then that will lead us into the finale. That will lead us into episode nine. Now that the questions have been answered, now that we know who is who, now we know how the hows and the whys, then we get into episode nine and we get our true Marvel MCU ending. I don't know that. I'm pulling all that out of my ass, but that is what I think is going to happen, Cam. All right, next up, Kevin M. King writes, Love you, John. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate that, man. Uh, I've been with you since the movie blog closet days. Anyway, about uh, the WandaVision, Mandalorian shows being too short thing. I call bullcrap. People will never be satisfied. Folks say all the Netflix shows are too long. I've never heard anybody say that. (laughs) I'm just speaking for myself, Kevin. I have never heard anybody complain that the Netflix shows are too long. Maybe they have. Maybe you've heard lots of people say that. I'm not saying that you haven't. I can only speak from my own experience. I have never heard anybody say the Netflix episodes are too long. Anyway, uh, they just can't win. I mean, look, there's there's a difference, though. Like, what is true is that the the age-old showbiz adage, leave them wanting more, right? That, that's true. Absolutely. But... You know, you get into Wanda. We are kind of accustomed that these types of shows are generally about an hour long. And the thing is, the WandaVision episodes are so short that when the ending comes, it's not just disappointing that, oh, it's over, but it's actually jarring. You know, it's actually a bit jarring. And then when you look at the episodes and you wheel, you realize the breakneck pace at which everything is happening. So they pack so much into such a small amount of time that you realize the show could benefit from giving all of just a little bit more breathing room. Now I'm not saying every episode has to be an hour and a half long, but I think, I think easily you could give everything a little bit more breathing room to really let it anchor. And you could have every episode over 41, 42, 43 minutes, and you wouldn't miss a beat and might even make the show better. Now, look, I think if you had to err on the side of being too long or being too short, err on the side of being too short. But again, I I just feel like I've talked to a lot of people that feel like when the ending comes, like whenever an episode of Sons of Anarchy ended, I was always a little bit heartbroken because I love that show and I just wanted to keep going, but it was never jarring. It never felt like, Oh wait, that ending felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, wait, wait, it's over. What? And, and I found with most episodes of WandaVision, I felt that every time, like every, almost every episode when it ends, it's like jarring. It's like, that felt like the end just kind of came out of nowhere and it just, it doesn't feel like this is where it should end. So anyway, But again, when your biggest complaint about a show is I wish there was more of it, that's a beautiful problem to have. If that is our biggest complaint about WandaVision, that damn it, I wish there was more of it every week, then that's not a bad problem to have. That is a problem you can live with. It's way better than saying the biggest problem with this, that actor sucks. Biggest problem with this, this whole part of the story sucks. Biggest problem. The biggest problem we have is that we want more of it. That's a good problem to have. All right. Next up. Thanks for writing in your thoughts, Kevin. All right. Visions Corpse writes, 
How was your uh, mental state changed in 2021 or in 2021 with finally having content to talk about on your channel? Uh, we had to wait so long for literally anything to come out. WandaVision in particular has been a much needed ray of hope for fans like us. Well, listen, I remember like there were, there were different parts through 20, like 2020 was a challenging year. Like if you had told me at the beginning of 2020 that, this pandemic was going to set in and almost no movies are going to come out and you're still going to be doing the daily John Campia show. I would have said, how, how, how is that possible? Yet turns out us movie fans, we can talk about stuff all day, whether there's new movies coming out or not, we can talk about the stuff all day, but still even in the midst of that, like when, when, um, uh, new mutants came out, Oh my God, what a breath of fresh air. I was actually able to go to a movie theater, watch a movie, get on, talk about a movie, a new movie that we had just seen. Oh my God, that felt so good. Even though the movie wasn't great. Then Tenet came out. It's like, oh, we're talking about movies again. This is great and blah, blah, blah. And then one of the, the more um, uh, substantial ones was Mandalorian. When Mandalorian season two came out, I mean, that's when for a lot of us, oh my God, we needed this. And it was not just me and the Jump Campus show or other YouTube channels, whatever, but like all of us as a fan community, it's like, oh my God, we needed this so bad right now. <laughs> like we have been so starving for content. And now following up on that, we've got WandaVision and it's been great. Mindset hasn't really changed much um, at, than it did from 2020 because I mean, we, we still are... But instead of having like three brand new movies coming out every week, we're still kind of struggling a, a little bit like that as fans. But, you know, having things like Mandalorian, uh, the, the few little movies that came out, like whether it's a tenant or, or whatever, uh, Wonder Woman 84, even if the movie was a disappointment, you know, the fact is a new movie came out, a high profile project that all of us got to watch and then all of us got to talk about. I mean, it, it's, there's been enough getting us through, but man, I'm not going to lie. I am looking forward to getting back to quote unquote normal. I am looking forward to getting back to normal, hopefully sooner rather than later. All right. Next up, Mihir Hawk writes, happy birthday, Lizzie. Uh, John, do you think one Oh, that was Elizabeth Olsen's birthday, right? Uh, do you think WandaVision will influence the types of shows on TV going forward in terms of creativity and perhaps even push conventional network TV, ABC, CBS to do new material? Why does WandaVision do reveals better than lost. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. Listen, WandaVision is great. You know, I think it's great. I talk about it every day. Hell, I start my shows with a countdown clock, at least verbally happy 36 hours to WandaVision. Everybody. I mean, I, I count down um, the hours, but it is completely unique and different in reveals and things like that for the MCU. And maybe for the whole genre, for comic book movies in general. But, I mean, as far as a mystery show with reveals, does it actually do it better than Lost did? I I, I got to disagree. I'm not even going to closely disagree. I, I'm going to harshly disagree. The difference is, is that this is the first time we're getting something like this in our favorite genre, in the comic book movie genre, right? And so that definitely heightens our, our hype of it. But, you know... It's, it's like when people, I remember when the dark Knight came out 
And I love The Dark Knight, and to me, it's a top three greatest comic book movie of all time. Some people out there think it is the greatest comic book film of all time. But I remember when The Dark Knight came out, and there were people trying to say, this is this is like not just the greatest comic book movie of all time, this is the greatest crime drama of all time. Like, better than Godfather. This is like greatest than that. And I'm like, hey, wait, what? No, 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 it is not The Godfather. It is phenomenal and it's amazing and it's one of the best comic book movies ever made, maybe arguably the best, depending on who you talk to. It is fantastic, but let's just pump the brakes for a second. I know it's in our favorite genre, but it ain't The Godfather. It is not as good of a crime drama as The Godfather. And I'm saying it's all subjective. It's all subjective. But like for me, as one of those fans, I'm like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Do I think WandaVision is great? Absolutely. I do. Do I think it is so revolutionary that it's going to change the way television works? I don't think so. I, I just like there's a lot of fabulous, fantastic, utterly incredible shows that don't change the way TV is done. Like I think. You know, I think Battlestar Galactica is the greatest show of all time. I think Ronald Moore's Battlestar Galactica is the greatest show of all time. But it didn't change TV. You know, Sons of Anarchy is one of my top three favorite shows of all time. It's fabulous. But it didn't change TV. And I don't think WandaVision, which I think is great. I think WandaVision is great, but I don't think it's going to change TV. Uh, nor do I nor do I put it as far as the mystery element. Do I find it more entertaining than Lost? Absolutely. Do I think the mystery element of it is better than the way they handled it in Lost, particularly in the early seasons? No, I don't. No, I don't. I think it's incredible for the comic book genre, but I, I don't think it's better than Lost in that way. But that's just me. And hey, here it's all about who you talk to. It's all subjective. We're all going to have different opinions about it. But since you posed the question to me, that's kind of my take on it. And by the way, let me just do some quick math here. Uh, 24, uh, 31, 32, happy 33 hours, ladies and gentlemen, 33 hours. I'm doing this at 3 p.m., uh, 3 p.m. on uh, on Wednesday, 33 hours until the next episode of WandaVision, and we keep counting down. All right, next up, Captain Blue Pants writes, I recently saw two memes. The first was a, was a distressed guy. When you see Superman throwing the car, you haven't finished payments on yet. And the second meme was, imagine looking out the window and seeing the Hulk destroying your favorite restaurant. So funny. I have not seen those. Let me see if I can look this up. Uh, see Hulk destroy favorite uh restaurant let me see if i can find this meme uh i'm gonna pull up the images uh nope i'm not finding it too bad i would like to see that do me a favor guys uh, or captain blue pants yourself could you do me a favor and can you email me at john at the john show.com that's john j-o-h-n at the john show.com if you have either of those memes could you send those to me because i would like to see those that's funny all right thanks for that captain blue pants next up nick writes I don't care who the aerospace engineer is in WandaVision. I just want an Old Spice commercial. Either a smooth Isaiah Mustafa or a chaotic Terry Crews. God, I love those Old Spice commercials. First of all, Terry Crews. Can can we all just agree that Terry Crews is like one of the most delightful people in the world? That just, he just, having him on screen, the screen just becomes more entertaining because of Terry Crews. He's got such a, a a bright charisma about him. There's just something so undeniably charming about the guy. I love him. But those Old Spice commercials, ladies, with uh, Isaiah Mustafa, 
That dude is so smooth in those. If they could figure out some way to work those into the 2010 10 era of WandaVision, that would be something special. All right, AJ writes, fact, Quicksilver is dead. Fact, that is not Quicksilver of any form of any universe. Fact, Quicksilver dismissed his death as inconsequential. We all know he sacrificed his life for Hawkeye. Only a villain would see that event and dismiss it. Ah, but AJ, I agree with, with most of what you said, obviously. But would a hero said, my death was a great noble sacrifice? Or would the hero be humble and say, I dried like a chump in the street and not draw attention to his own personal glory. What would Quicksilver do? What would a hero do? So I think himself referring to it as a chump dying in the street is not necessarily proof that it's not the Aaron Taylor Johnson Quicksilver. But you also can't deny it is something that a villain would say about Aaron Taylor Johnson's death. I mean, what if that's Ultron? What if that's Ultron? Ultron could probably figure out a way to mimic the powers of Quicksilver. You know, and remember, Wanda and Quicksilver turned on him. So maybe he refers to him as dying like a chump in the streets. I don't know. Maybe that is. So I don't think it necessarily means it's not the Aaron Taylor Johnson Quicksilver. But you are right. It also would be consistent with what a villain would say. Let's see how that all turns out. Well said, AJ. Okay, next up. Crashing Coyote, part one. I think uh, last episode they confirmed Agnes's Harkness. They didn't know you confirm it by saying, by saying, by having uh, Catherine Hahn turn to the camera and go, my name is Agatha Harkness. That's how you confirm it. Uh, dropping little hints and innuendos is not confirmation. That's theory. That's theory food. But it's not confirmation. All right. I think the last episode they confirmed Agnes's Harkness. All main cast last episode had their comic book counterpart outfits. Even Agnes. Harkness in comics was a witch during the Salem times, and she was a witch. Plus, why was she the only one able to move or talk? Different people have different theories about why she was the only one able to move or talk. Um, not to mention, again, I think the witch outfit is just a, another contributing factor to, to misdirect to misdirect. But don't forget, there's other stuff. Even though I don't think Agnes is Agatha Harkness, there is other evidence as well that suggests that maybe she is. The brooch thing, right? You go back to the earlier episode, she's wearing that brooch, and then if you look at Agatha in the comics, she's off constantly wearing a brooch that looks kind of similar. It's not proof. It doesn't automatically mean anything, but it does kind of um, hint or suggest, you know what I'm saying? So there is stuff there, but again, I don't know. Uh, everyone else uh, by Ellis Avenue was frozen still, yet she was still slightly moving, and she faked being woken up by Vision. She purposely egged him on to go through the barrier, and she is the one feeding off Yo Magic because, because she's why Vision went out there in the first place. I mean, everything that you said is true. I just don't know that I agree with your conclusions. Remember, it doesn't explain a number of other things that have happened in the show. Like, when she... Because you remember, again, I keep going back to that one pivotal scene between her and Herb, where she turns to the cam- she turns to Herb as Herb is about to tell Vision, about to tell Vision about what's actually going on, and she turns to Herb. Now, if you think she's the bad guy constantly doing this, she would look at Herb with a threatening look, like, like you know, if you t- if you keep talking, you're dead. Like, right? But what happened? 
she, her and Herb were talking, then Vision comes over and Herb's about to spill the beans and she looks at Herb terrified. Ter- she wasn't putting on an act for Vision or Wanda because they couldn't see her face. She looked terrified. And even then the whole thing with the dog or like when she's, when she's like, and, and, and you know, the kids bring up, maybe she can bring somebody back from the dead. And she was like, you can do that. Or like when she came in at the beginning of the episode, when the baby twins were crying and like, she thought she messed it up. She goes, Oh, do you, do you just want us to take it from the top? Wanda, ma'am, miss. I, again, there is abs- the brooch, the witch outfit, the name itself. There is definitely uh, anecdotal evidence there that if you think she might be Agatha Harkness, you're not crazy. There is stuff there that justify that theory. But I also think there's stuff there to justify thinking she's not. But then again, I, I mean, I wouldn't be, be willing to bet money on that. I mean, let's be clear. I wouldn't be willing to bet money. But we will find out. We will find out here pretty quick. All right. Last question of the day, guys. Uh, Mr. Steele writes, Hey, guys, love the show and your documentary. Thank you so much for checking out my documentary, Mr. Steele. I appreciate that. I saw from IGN a few days ago that Kevin Feige stated the last three episodes will be one one hour apiece. But after looking it up, it seems to only be a rumor. Do you think these last few episodes will be longer? Thanks and take care. Okay, so again, this whole thing going around right now that the last three episodes are going to be an hour long each. It comes from an older comment by, I think it was either Feige or one of the writers, whatever, saying that basically WandaVision that hadn't started yet, WandaVision is going to be like a six-hour movie. So people are taking that and taking the six hours literally. And then they're extrapolating that by looking at the length of each of the episodes we've had so far. And we've had like three hours and 20 minutes so far. So roughly three hours, but really it's been about three hours and 20 minutes so far. So what people are going is, oh, it's basically been three hours. So that means there's three hours left because they said six hours. And since there's only three episodes left, that means each episode has to be an hour. So this thing going around about each episode is going to be an hour long. That's from people taking an old comment and then extrapolating on that and and deducing that what we're going to get is that. I don't think that's the case. I hope it is. I hope it is. Fingers crossed. I was just talking about how I think each episode should be a bit longer. Um, But I do think they're going to be longer episodes than what we've had so far. I think each of the next three episodes will all be over 40 minutes. I think one or two of them may even broach the hour mark. But I don't think we're going to get each of the next three episodes will be. And here's the danger because I can already see what's going to happen. If the next episode ends up being like 48 minutes long, there are going to be people screaming online. They said it was going to be an hour long each. And it's going to have to, you have to remind it. Actually, no, they never said that. A bunch of people online deduced that and extrapolated that, but that's not what they said. Now, maybe it will be. Hopefully it is. But I, I personally, I'm just preparing that the episodes are probably going to be around 45 minutes or longer. And if they are, I'm just going to be happy with that. If they do go to an hour each, we all win. But We'll see. Anyway, guys, uh, for everything else still come, Crashing Coyote, Sarah 2000, BMC, what we're going to do is tomorrow on the John Campy Show, we are going to start off the live questions with Crashing Coyote, and then we'll move our way through. Oh, that, that was a part three. Oh, Crashing Coyote had a part three. Uh, we're out of time, unfortunately, so we won't be able to get to that. You, got, you really should put in your questions, guys, like one of two, two of, or one of three, then two of three, just so I know what's going on. Just a, just a, a heads up, just so I make sure I can get to that. But we'll pick up with that stuff on tomorrow's show. Okay, guys, that'll do it 
for this companion video. Thank you so much for taking some time in your day and hanging out with us as we cover the live questions that came in. By the way, guys, special thank you to all of you who sent in those questions. Number one, because he gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel by sending them in. And all of us here at the John Campia Show, thank you very, very much for that support. All right, guys, don't forget to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.